This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening, I'm Colleen Christie. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news in Vancouver's West End, where an apartment building is on fire. Jordan Armstrong joins us live with more. Jordan, what do we know? Colleen, a lot of people saw the smoke and heard the sirens. It's one of the larger buildings in Vancouver's West End. Here's what the fire looked like just after 5 o'clock, just after it was called in. Black smoke billowing from the south side of 1275 Pacific Street, also known as the Pacific Surf Apartment Building. Vancouver firefighters made this a third alarm, meaning dozens of first responders are on scene. We don't know how this fire started, nor how many suites were involved. But Fire Chief Daryl Reed says the flames have been contained to the 15th floor. We know this is a 23-story tower built back in 1966, and it's made of concrete, which in a situation like this is good news and likely played a big role in keeping the fire contained to that one floor. Let's hear now from some witnesses. I was just texting my son, and I heard uh, the fire alarm and I wasn't going to do anything about it uh, for, you know, for a while and then somebody pounded on my door and said everyone's leaving so we better start running and we ran out and we just looked and just saw the flames and the smoke coming from the 15th floor Yeah, and, and everyone just started running down. It's pretty scary. Let's look at a live shot from our downtown tower cam right now. That is the building. That's the north side of the building. So the opposite side from where the fire started. Indeed, the smoke has subsided as crews now have the blaze knocked down. Again, no word how this fire started. A quick response from Vancouver firefighters prevented a bad situation from getting much worse tonight. The good news in all of this, Colleen, no one was hurt. Back to you. Good news indeed. Thanks so much, Jordan. In Surrey, police are investigating how a vehicle ended up in the Serpentine River. The vehicle was spotted in the water this weekend on 168th between Fraser Highway and 64th near the Northview Golf Course. Divers were called in and it was towed out. So far, it's not believed anyone was hurt. Police only saying the vehicle was reported stolen. Vancouver police are searching for the hit-and-run driver responsible for a four-vehicle crash at a busy intersection last night. It happened just before 6.30 at East 12th Avenue and Victoria Drive. Police believe the suspect, Silver Mitsubishi Gallant, was traveling southbound when the driver ignored a red light and drove onto East 12th. The suspect vehicle was struck by a white van going west on 12th. The Mitsubishi then collided with a green Hyundai Tucson, which flipped over and crashed into a black Mazda CX-5. Remarkably, no one was seriously hurt. The Mitsubishi was found abandoned nearby, and its driver is still at large. The family of a 19-year-old Vancouver Whitecaps prospect killed in a crash last month is honoring his dream of making a difference in the community. Part of an online fundraiser will support the Brandon Bassey Legacy Scholarship. It'll be awarded annually to a post-secondary student who shows leadership outside of the classroom. Bassey was one of six people in a Jeep that crashed in Surrey on May 18th. The SFU freshman died of his injuries. Bassey is being remembered as an exceptional athlete who performed strong academically and cared about his community. 
It is expected to be a highly emotional day tomorrow as the inquiry into missing and murdered indigenous women and girls is officially released. Grace Key has a preview, including the hopes for positive change from those attending a First Nations conference focused on women in Vancouver. It's the day victims' families and advocacy groups have been waiting for. On Monday, the National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls is set to release its final report. And reaction has been strong to early reports that the inquiry finds these women are victims of genocide. I agree with the strong wording of that because as an Indigenous woman, uh, I'm six times more likely to be murdered. The respect of uh, our First peoples in this country, and especially our Indigenous women and girls, has not been the greatest for a very, very long time. So I think genocide is an appropriate word. Women Deliver 2019 is the world's largest gathering on the health, rights and well-being of women and girls. At the Indigenous Women's Pre-Conference in downtown Vancouver, some here work on the front line with victims. And while some have seen positive changes over the years, they add more work needs to be done. It should be never-ending till our women and girls stop going missing. One of my sisters is one of the missing and murdered women and I devote my life to helping those that are are not so uh, privileged. The report makes more than 230 recommendations. It'll be released in a closing ceremony in Quebec on Monday. Grace Key, Global News. Hundreds showing their support for victims of sexual assault and violence, men and women walking, cycling or inline skating 10K along the seawall in the 41st annual Walk for Vancouver Rape Relief and Women's Shelter. The shelter operates a 24-hour crisis line and transition house. In the years past, they've responded to, in the last year rather, they've responded to 1,200 women escaping violence and housed more than 100 women and their children. The mayor of Burnaby says that he has taken his concerns about pipeline safety directly to the prime minister. The two met this weekend along with local firefighters to talk about the risk of a fire if the twinning of the Trans Mountain pipeline is allowed to proceed. Tanya Beja has more. Burnaby is the end point for the Trans Mountain pipeline. And the city's mayor says he wants guarantees that people who live near the project's tank farm will be protected. If the pipeline expansion goes ahead, how that would need to be approached uh, to ensure that our residents feel as safe as possible on Burnaby Mountain. Did you have a good meeting with the Burnaby Fire Department? Great meeting, great meeting. Really good people. In a meeting with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau Saturday, Mayor Mike Hurley says he and fire officials raised concerns about the risks of a blaze at the Burnaby facility, which is surrounded by forest and homes. Well, my real hope would be that there was no uh, pipeline to talk about, so that would be my first obviously my first preference. The federal government bought the $4.5 billion pipeline system and will decide this month whether to move ahead with an expansion. The project would see the twinning of an 1,100-kilometre pipeline and more than a dozen new storage tanks. But we're stuck with the tank farm where it is, so we need some experts, some people who know how to increase the safety in the, in the area. My biggest worry is if something happens, like it, something goes wrong and something blows up, we're the nearest to the blast. So, like, I mean, that's kind of scary for me. Just find a good way to protect us. Hurley says he wants concrete action from the feds for a community that's carrying much of the risk. That's what I deal with, is protecting our citizens, and that's what I'll uh, continue to do. Tanya Beja, Global News. 
You're being advised to check your cupboards for several apricot products because consuming them could cause cyanide poisoning. Echo Ideas Innovations is recalling certain apricot powder brand products, including bitter raw apricot seeds in the 454 and 226 gram packages, as well as apricot seed meal in 191 gram packages. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency says they have incorrect dosage information on the packages. Due to a natural toxin in the product, consuming too much could cause cyanide poisoning. So far, no illnesses have been reported. If you have them, you're advised to throw them out or return them to the store. Navigating BC's court system can be tedious, frustrating, and overwhelming. In terms of technology, even the province's top lawyer admits not much has changed in the last century. But as Kristen Robinson reports, there's a plan to embrace the digital age and make access to justice easier. At the time, it was the newest, most high-tech and expensive courtroom in Canada. The fortress built at B.C. Supreme Court for the Air India trial cost $7.2 million, with state-of-the-art computers, plasma display monitors, and bulletproof glass. Sixteen years later, technology hasn't caught up. Well, there's sort of a widespread uh, understanding that, uh, you know, if you uh, had a lawyer from 100 years ago show up in a courtroom in British Columbia today, uh, it would all seem very familiar. But the days of ancient justice may soon be over. BC's Attorney General moving forward with the court digital transformation strategy. There are things that we could be doing to make access to justice easier for people. David Eby looking at technology to deliver swifter and more cost-effective justice, including digitizing court records and having people appear by video. At the end, I'm the loser. Video conferencing would have saved Carl Lusawovana Nunu from driving 10 hours from Calgary to fight a transit ticket last month. It would be nice for people not to have to uh, travel uh, hundreds or even thousands of kilometers to make an appearance. Going digital would lighten the court's load of paperwork with many forms filled out online. Criminal lawyer Kyla Lee also says 90% of court appearances are to request adjournments, which could be done via email instead of in person. It ends up costing our clients a lot of money. It also slows down the justice system. The more that lawyers are tied up sitting in court, the less time they're spending dealing with clients. The changes, she says, long overdue. The province's top lawyer now collecting input on how to weigh technology to better serve the needs of court users. Kristen Robinson, Global News. CMP are on the hunt for a suspect tonight and are issuing a warning. Before getting behind the wheel, people in parts of the Okanagan are being told to check their vehicles. In at least four incidents, residents found the lug nuts on their car wheels had been deliberately loosened. Kimberly Davidson has more. Well, I took my wife's car out with, uh, with the kids. We were heading down the hill, and as we're going down the hill, I noticed it was making a funny noise, so we stopped. Travis Nixon grabbed the wrench from his spare tire kit. And sure enough, all of the every single bolt on the front driver's tire was loose. When Nixon filed a police report, he was told he was not alone. In separate incidents, uh, owners have found their vehicles with damage to their tires. Uh, more specifically, they found that their lug nuts have been loosened or completely removed. Um, and even in some cases, uh, the, their gas had been siphoned as well. So many complaints about loosened bug nuts were filed in West Kelowna and Peachland that it prompted police to put out a public warning. 
loose lug nuts can be very dangerous. Well, thankfully, there have been no injuries as a result that we're aware of at this time. Um, One of our most recent cases involved a woman as she was driving down the street. Her front tire had fallen off her vehicle. Thankfully, this was at slow speeds and she wasn't injured during the incident. Nixon says this is different than property crime and in some ways harder to understand. This is something just to see what kind of destruction and mayhem you can do. But Nixon wants the culprit to think about what the consequences of their actions could be. If you killed my wife and kids, how would you feel about it then? It's not just an issue of what you can do to my car. Cars can be fixed. Lives can't. Kimberly Davidson, Global News. Most of us don't want to go to the dentist if we don't have to, but some patients in B.C. and Alberta had a little extra incentive to sit in the chair today. They're taking part in dentistry for a cause. It's the one day of the year when All the billings go to local charities. 13 dentists' offices in both provinces participated, including two in Vancouver this year, an orphanage in India, and KidSafe will benefit. We've asked our teams to volunteer on these days, and whatever money is uh, generated from the clinic, uh, we contribute to the charities that we see uh, and and we choose uh, on a yearly basis. Well, the first year that we raised was about 30000 over the uh, three clinics, and then we've had more clinics participate. Last year, we raised over $100,000, and we have more clinics involved this year, so we're looking forward to even improving that number. Arguably, one of Vancouver's most famous bird families, birds rather, has started a family. There he is. That's Canuck the Crow, and his mate Cassiar successfully hatched a nest of chicks on Friday, and everyone appears to be healthy and happy, according to Sean Bergman, who runs the Canuck NI Facebook page. Anyway, Canuck made international headlines in 2016 when he stole a knife from a crime scene. Oh, you know. He's a clever one, that Canuck. And now he's a dad. Great. More crows. (laughs) I like crows. Am I alone in that? (laughs) It's just if you, if they dive at I you, it's a, it's a whole other thing. They're so smart, though. They, they are, they are. There are just so few of them, I think that's what I'm saying, you know. <laughs> Very. Uh, today would have been a lovely day to be flying <laughs> high above yeah, the city. Fantastic. Uh, temperatures were warm once again today. Uh, it, it soared. If you're looking for a bit of a break, it will be on the way. A look at the satellite and radar, though, this evening. We're still seeing a few showers. It's really along the northern and central half of the province. We've got more cloud cover out there this evening. It'll be similar for the morning hours, but there is still some sunshine on the way. Temperatures uh, will be a little bit cooler. I'll show you some of those numbers coming up very shortly. All righty. What are you going to show us coming up? Uh, well, I'm a crow about the rap. Are you? Because, um, they, yeah. 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 It's a, it's Not, been nice a, try. It's been a very good first half. <laughs> You know, the Raptors played so well in game one. I think maybe they surprised Golden State and maybe the rest of the NBA who aren't aware that that's a very good team. Well, they're doing it again in game two. Double-digit lead at last look. uh, So a complete first half highlights coming up. And uh, that's exciting. They're they're playing so well. Barack Obama is also. And, of course, if you're watching us, it means you don't care about that game. And we're happy about that. (laughs) Stay with us. Definitely stay with us. Okay, we have more on that breaking news out of the West End and an apartment fire. Let's head down to Tanya Beja, live on the scene with the very latest. Tanya. 
Colleen, we're told that this fire broke out just before five o'clock this evening on the 15th floor of the Pacific Surf building, which you can see just behind me here. Uh, the fire grew quite quickly. What we know is that the unit where this fire uh, began was recently renovated. The tenants, uh, two people, just moved in last month. It's unclear whether they were home at the time of the fire. Uh, the building itself has 22 floors. We see that several people are still inside. There are some seniors living in this building and, and some on the lower floors have remained inside. Uh, no word yet on the cause of this fire, but as I mentioned, it grew quickly. It was a three alarm fire, so dozens of firefighters responded and they are still on scene. Here's what some of the witnesses told us. When I walked into the uh, building and I heard the fire alarm and came out in front, and then I saw the um, already the um, flames coming out of uh, the apartment on the 15th floor and it got worse so there was black smoke and then I heard a window burst and then the fire workers started working and then it got better but it was really really scary. Now it's unclear when the tenants will be allowed back into the building, but anybody coming to the West End will want to avoid this part of town for now. Pacific is closed between Thurlow and Butte. Colleen, back to you. Scary situation. Thanks for that, Tanya. Environment Canada has issued a warning for western Quebec after reports a tornado touched down near Ottawa this evening. And more severe weather is expected to move through the area. Images of the twister are popping up on social media. Environment Canada says witnesses saw the tornado touch down near Gatineau Airport just after 6 o'clock local time. There are reports of trees down and damage in the area. Environment Canada is warning residents to seek shelter. Three people were killed in a small plane crash in Alberta. The plane took off from Medicine Hat last night, headed for Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, but it never arrived. The wreckage was found near Irvine, Alberta today. Everyone on board was killed. Global News has identified one of the victims, 26-year-old Justin Filto of Saskatchewan, who played university football. No other names have been released. It is the news thousands of fire evacuees in northern Alberta have been waiting to hear for weeks. They get to go home. As of 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, 4,000 people from high level and surrounding areas of Mackenzie County, along with several First Nations communities, will be allowed to return to their homes. They were forced out two weeks ago. The Chuck Egg Creek fire, which has been threatening the area, remains out of control. It's the largest in the province at 2,800 square kilometers. The firefighters have built fire breaks and conducted controlled burns to protect communities. Now homes or businesses in high level have been damaged. We've only been here a couple of days, but you know, when my neighbors pull in, if I see them, I'll probably go out and say hi and just you know, check in with them, see how they were um, and stuff like that. So it's just nice to come back together as a community. The possibility of another evacuation order is high and I'm just going to hang out here for a few days and not rush back. It's been a year since flooding in Grand Forks. Homes and businesses were lost to high water. And as Jules Knox reports, many are still struggling and asking why other provinces got federal help while they're still waiting. Some people just left the community, uh, left it all behind because they didn't see that there was a, a sustainable future here. A year after devastating flooding, Grand Forks is still looking for answers. For some, the high waters washed away their livelihood. 
the businesses that were impacted by the flood, probably about 10% of them are still shut. And many of those that have managed to swing their doors back open have faced a myriad of insurance challenges. They can't get uh, flood insurance for, for a reasonable rate, and so they're trying to make that, that kind of impossible decision of do I open my business without you know being underinsured or do I try to sell my business even though it can't be insured. And then there's the housing problem. Some people still don't have a permanent place to live. We have about 35 households, I think, that are uh, in a holding pattern. They're in some kind of interim accommodation while they're trying to work out what, the, what it looks like going ahead. The city wants to buy out flooded properties, but needs the feds or the province to pony up the cash. For people that are housed uh, in, in fragile housing around the community, so still in people's uh, yards, in motorhomes, uh, in various other kinds of really not long-term housing. While residents in New Brunswick have already been offered a buyout plan, people in Grand Forks are still waiting to hear about federal funding. Meanwhile, the province points to $19 million it's already given the community. Each of the provinces has a different recovery framework and the, the provincial government in New Brunswick had their arrangements set out with the uh, uh, federal government and they were able to implement them right away. Watt says funding for permanent solutions like buyouts should be available after a flood right away. And he'd like to see a more unified approach to emergency management across the country so future flooding victims aren't left in limbo like those in Grand Forks. Jules Knox, Global News. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer has removed St. Albert Edmonton MP Michael Cooper from the Federal Justice Committee over some controversial comments. Earlier this week, Cooper lashed out at a Muslim witness during a hearing on online hate, reading the name and quoting the words of the man accused of killing 51 people at two New Zealand mosques. Scheer announced the move on Twitter last night, calling the MP's actions insensitive and unacceptable. Cooper issued an apology on Facebook in response. An out-of-control cruise ship rammed into a dock and a tourist boat in Venice today, and the collision was caught on camera. Cell phone video shows the MSC Opera unable to stop blaring its horn ahead of the crash. Dozens of people ran in panic. Five women on board the riverboat were injured in the crush. Uh, the cruise ship's owner said that the vessel was about to dock at a passenger terminal when there was a mechanical problem. A global viewer has sent us another look at the moment of the crash. Two tugboats guiding the ship were unable to prevent it. The accident is prompting new calls for restrictions on cruise ships in the famed Italian city of Canals. There are reports the U.S. Justice Department is preparing to investigate Google's businesses and business practices and whether the company violates antitrust laws. In 2017, the search engine was fined a record $2.7 billion by European regulators for abusing its dominance of the online search market. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission did start an antitrust investigation of Google but closed it in 2013 without taking any action. The U.S. Justice Department is not confirming reports it has launched its own probe. For years, politicians and antitrust analysts have expressed concerns about Google. Okay, it was a lovely afternoon today. 
Yvonne is here to tell us whether the sunshine's going to stick around or, or exactly what's going to happen, Yvonne. <laughs> We've got more cloud cover out there actually right now. We'll see this for the morning hours and then the sunshine is going to poke in once again and that'll be for tomorrow afternoon. So it is a bit deceiving out there, but we will see the return for some sunshine, uh, especially a late day tomorrow. Temperatures right now sitting at 21. We've got a southeasterly wind. It's light out of the airport at 17 kilometers per hour. We bumped up to 23 today. It was a warm one above the average. We typically sit closer to 18 degrees, but not quite record-breaking on this day. 31 degrees is set back in 1970. A few spots across the south coast today into the Fraser Valley up to 26 degrees. Pitt Meadows, Coquitlam also getting up to 23. And areas near Tawasin bumping up to 20 degrees. Port Alberni inland for the island up to 25 and 30 for a few spots near Kelowna, Asoyus and Trail. It'll be a touch cooler, a few degrees for many areas tomorrow. We are tracking a change on the way. It's all courtesy of a system that is pushing its way in. Most of the instability will be along coastal sections for the northern and central half of the province. This evening we're still seeing some shower activity for the central interior. Risk of a thunderstorm will ease off once again but then once it'll pick up by the afternoon. Here's the moisture that we are are tracking the northern areas of the island can also see some shower activity there will be more cloud cover right across the board for the south coast tomorrow morning and then as we get closer towards the noon hour a nice break with some sunny with some sunshine and remaining dry for both our monday tuesday fire danger rating northern half still sitting at high to extreme for most areas the southern half anywhere between moderate to high and an update on some of the fires from the bc wildfire service 36 active fires eight in the last two days four unknown eight suspected lightning caused and it's human caused that's sitting at 24. We are going to be tracking a change on the way. We've got that system that is going to push in more cloud cover Tuesday, Wednesday, and we are going to see a chance of showers across the south coast and cooler temperatures remaining unsettled even in towards our Friday when we take a look at the long range. For the piece tomorrow, 14 southwesterly wind, gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. Whitehorse will see a risk of a thunderstorm, a cooler day at 15. Coastal sections at shower Hours. Inland for areas near Smithers could see the risk of a thunderstorm. The instability is there with the caribou and central interior. And most areas for the Columbia and Kootenai region dry tomorrow. Still another warm one up to 26. Tops in Okanagan will be up to 25 degrees. And areas near Whistler tomorrow up to 18 with the partly cloudy sky. Along the island we'll start to see an increase in cloud cover. We'll start off with cloud cover for Metro Vancouver. Breaks for the afternoon and then that change pushing in Tuesday evening with the chance of showers unsettled on Wednesday it'll be cooler as well and then Wednesday Thursday Friday we do have a chance of showers more cloud cover still very pleasant tomorrow up to 20 degrees Colleen thanks Yvonne Six. Nice. British Columbians proving miracles do happen. The 32nd annual Miracle Weekend wrapped up a short time ago, raising more than $21.6 million, as you just saw, in support of BC Children's Hospital. That's up slightly from last year's tally. For more than three decades, the campaign has raised more than $300 million, all of which to help BC's youngest patients and their families. Sophie Louie and Chris Galas join us now with more on this amazing day. Seriously, an astonishing total once again here as Miracle Weekend comes to a close. Uh, we are here with Terry Nicholas, who's the president and CEO of BC Children's Hospital Foundation. Over $21 million. Terry, what did you think when you yeah. saw that total? It's uh, such an emotional moment um, because it represents 
the community coming together to support BC's kids, and what more can you ask for? What is that going to mean, Terry? $21.6 million, and counting, because people can still donate, but what does that mean to the children in BC? You know, it makes a tremendous uh, difference. It really helps us to uh, recruit and retain the the best... doctors and researchers possible and helps to buy that specialized equipment that's so important for kids because as you know they come in all sizes they do they do Mm -hmm. and we are so pleased to be a part of it too uh on behalf of everybody at global Mm -hmm. bc just want to thank you for the way you welcome us in to the family and and we can uh be a part of this amazing weekend Absolutely. I want to thank Global BC and I want to thank the hundreds of people across the province who've just come together to make such a difference for the kids across this province. It's such a great weekend. Our viewers are amazing and there's a huge crew of people working behind the cameras as well who never get the credit that they deserve for helping put this on and we want to thank them as well. Thank you so much everybody. Thank you. And don't, you know what, just because the telethon's over doesn't mean we, you have to stop donating. We'll accept anything you want to throw our way. <laughs> MiracleWeekend.com. All right, back to you. Thanks for that reminder, Sophie. Donald Trump is on his way to Europe. His first stop, London, for an official state visit and an audience with the Queen. But his comments about an American member of the royal family are adding controversies surrounding this visit. Even before leaving for Europe, the president was on the defensive after making these remarks about Meghan Markle in an interview with the Sun tabloid. She said she'd move to Canada if you got elected. Turned out she moved to Britain. Well, that would be good. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people moving here. So what can I say? No, I didn't know that she was nasty. Despite the audio recording of the comment, Mr. Trump tweeted, I never called Meghan Markle nasty, made up by the fake news media, and they got caught cold. He suggested an apology was in order. Duchess of Sussex Meghan is on maternity leave, so she won't be seeing Mr. Trump during this trip. He will visit with Queen Elizabeth, meet Prince Charles for the first time, and hold talks with outgoing Prime Minister Theresa May. May is leaving office Friday, following backlash over her Brexit plan. President Trump told The Sun Boris Johnson would be an excellent replacement. British Foreign Secretary Jeremy Hunt is also competing to replace May. On Face the Nation, he brushed off the president backing Johnson. We're quite used to uh, the fact that he does the unexpected thing, and (laughs) it's not going to affect the warmth of the welcome that we give him. Mr. Trump will also travel to Normandy, France, to commemorate the 75th anniversary of D-Day. President Trump is also planning to meet with his French counterpart on this trip, as well as the Prime Minister of Ireland, when he makes a stop there to visit his luxury golf resort. Weijia Jiang, CBS News, the White House. Okay, Barry, before we get to your sportscast, we want to show you a happy reunion at this year's run-up for Down syndrome at Swan Guard Stadium involving a member of the San Jose Sharks. Johnson and her team, Katie's Sharks, were among the hundreds taking part in the 23rd annual run, which raises funds in support of educational programs and services for people with Down syndrome. Katie is also a huge fan of Brendan Dillon, the new Westminster native, who's a defenseman with the Sharks. He surprised Katie by not just attending the run and being a fan, but as a part of her team. Excuse me, miss. Here we are. Can I get on the Katie Sharks team? 
Hey. We've been family friends for she's a while now. Uh, my mom and Katie's mom have been best friends, uh, sewing buddies for at least the last five to ten years, and then I've been able to meet Katie and uh, Christmas Christmas dinners and whatnot. And um, every time we're in town playing the Canucks, she's always there to support me as well as her family. So um, my time to be able to come support her back. That's fabulous. Nice gesture. Really, yeah, really nice. Step. All right, well, it's Take good, it away, pretty man. good basketball game uh, going yeah. on right now. Thanks, Colleen. The uh, Raptors' aggressive swarming defense was the biggest reason they took game one of the NBA Finals against the two-time champion Warriors. Yes, Golden State was quite rusty after a nine-day layoff, but it's also the best defense in the NBA right now. And Golden State had to make some adjustments to try to get a split heading back to Oakland for game three on Wednesday. President Barack Obama with NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. Obama got a big ovation from the crowd. Kawhi Leonard just 23 points in game one, low by his standards, scored the first five for the Raptors. Clay Thompson, silky smooth release, hits the three. He had the first nine for the Warriors. They led 9-7. More from Leonard, short on the first attempt, but just with those long arms, tips it back in. Uh, Drake, yes, Drake was in the house again, digging that effort. Kyle Lowry will then hit the jumper, draws the foul, three-point play. Toronto's aggressiveness giving Golden State some issues in the first quarter. Then on the run, Fred Van Vliet, alley-oop to Pascal Siakam, who of course had 32 in game one, throws it down. Steph Curry not feeling well, talking to Golden State's head therapist Rick Celebrini, the former Whitecap player and athletic therapist. He's in charge of Golden State's players now. Fred Van Vliet, energy off the bench again, aggressive drive, gets it to go. Boy, he's made some circus shots already in this series. 27-26 after one, second quarter. Siakam leading the break, Danny Green to Van Vliet. Great ball movement for the three. Van Vliet again will drive the baseline. Get the basket and the foul. What a, not bad for a backup point guard. As he comes off the bench, eight points already at uh, that point. Then Norm Powell off the feed from Mark Gasol, 44-35 Toronto. And then Kawhi underneath, basket and foul. 47-35 Raptors by 12, their biggest lead of the game. Steph Curry missed his first five shots, but then... Got hot at the end of the second quarter. Hits the three. He had 16 at the half. Then Fred Van Vliet, though, with the steal, lays it in. 12 points for Van Vliet. Drake has pumped 59-54 at the half, but Golden State has rallied early in the third. It's 61-59. Who leads 3-2. French Open men's fourth round match of the tournament, maybe of the year. Stan Vavrenka, the 2015 champ at Roland Garros against... Young Greek star Stefano Tsitsipa, what a shot by Tsitsipa, thumbs up from Stan on that one. Second set, Tsitsipa diving for the return, can't get to it, goes for a roll in the red clay, not happy about it. Knows that stain is not coming out in the wash. This was the point of the match, back and forth, Tsitsipa playing some great defense. It was a 24-shot rally, we didn't show all of them. We only have an hour show. Uh, it ends with Vavrenka getting a lucky break as his drop shot clips the net cord. But Pa would win the set 7-5. Third set, Vavrenka shows off his greatest weapon, that laser beam one-handed backhand. Loads it and rips it past Pa at the net. Stan takes the third set, but the 20-year-old will force a fifth set. Forehand drop shot, takes the fourth 6-3, so they go the distance. 
five all now in the fifth. Vavrinka, forehand winner. Now we go to match point. Tsitsipas will charge the net, but Vavrinka with a finesse slice backhand that just catches the line. Tsitsipas thought it was out. The umpire came down from the chair, said it was good. So Stan Vavrinka, 8-6 in the fifth. Five hours and nine minutes of fantastic tennis. He's moving on to the quarters after an epic victory today. Meanwhile, fellow Swiss Roger Federer, the third seed, taking on Leonardo uh, Meyer of Argentina. Federer took the first set, continued to roll in the second, serve and volley. What does he think this is? Wimbledon won the second set 6-3. And then the third, Roger with the big forehand winner as he rolls in straight sets. And that will set up an all-Swiss quarterfinal against Stan Vavrenka if he's got any energy left after his match as uh, Roger wins easily. Rafa Nadal, the number two seed and 11-time champ, facing Juan Ignacio Landero of Argentina. First set. Nadal, the big serve, unleashes the huge forehand winner here. Won the opening set and the second set. Third set, Nadal cruising along. Another forehand winner, 6-2-6-3-6-3. He's into the quarters. Nadal, an incredible 90 wins and just two losses lifetime at Roland Garros. Welcome back. The Lions broke the bank, at least in uh, CFL terms, when they went out and signed free agent quarterback Mike Riley. So it only makes sense that they would want to protect their asset, and they have done that with an emphasis on beefing up their offensive line, signing Port Coquitlam's Suk Chung, an all-star who played in Winnipeg the last few years, and signing their 2015 pick, Brett Boyko, who spent the past four years kicking around the NFL. The theme is to get a group of big, mean, aggressive men to protect Mike Riley. Absolutely. I mean, you have to have some sort of edge, some sort of nastiness to play this position. I mean, you got to go out there and you want to beat the guy across from you every play. I mean, that's just, you know, the offensive line, you know, you can have almost a perfect game and you have one bad play and, and, and all of a sudden, you know, that's that's what you're thinking about forever. So, I mean, you want to, you know, you want to compete, you want to compete hard and you want to be physical and nasty. Absolutely. We don't have many accolades. We don't get our name in the paper and all that, but all we can do is be accountable to our teammates and play to the whistle and play hard and be there for our guys, you know. We're one of the biggest people on the field, and we got to act that way accordingly and, you know, take care of our guys. Like I said, without them, you can't do anything. It doesn't matter what kind of weapons you have on the outside. You know, if you don't have time to get on the ball, then nothing good's going to happen. And then on top of that, there's always... You know, keeping you upright. You know, you don't like to take hits that you don't have to take, and, and those guys take a lot of pride in that. That's the one thing that I've noticed is they take a lot of pride in what they do and keeping me upright, but also protecting all the guys on the field. Final round of the Memorial from Muirfield Village in Ohio. Tiger Woods has won here five times, and he came out firing today already four under for the day when he teed it up at the par 3-8. Tiger hits a beautiful shot to about five feet made that birdie, made the turn at nine under, climbed into the top 10, and he wasn't done yet. As we go to the 11th from 21 feet, Tiger rolls it in for another birdie, his sixth of the day, putted very well today. More proof of that on 12, and 11-footer, seventh birdie of the day, but stalled out from there, finished with a five under 67, tied for ninth at nine under. Patrick Cantley began the day Four behind leader Martin Keimer of Germany. Cantley also on fire on the front. This birdie at eight, one of his five on his opening nine. Meanwhile, Keimer wilted with back-to-back bogeys at 12 and 13. All of a sudden, his lead was gone, and it got worse because Cantley, a hole ahead at 14, makes his seventh birdie of the day. And now he's got a two-shot lead at 18. 
Cantley for par to close out an 8 under 64 and never a doubt. Great putt by Cantley who picks up his second career PGA Tour win 19 under, two better than Adam Scott. Cantley then gets congrats from the great Jack Nicholas, who of course runs the tournament. Jack gave Cantley advice on how to close out wins. Relax, kid, he said, enjoy it, and it worked. Adam Hadwin, top Canadian, tied 52nd at plus one. Final round of the Women's U.S. Open from Charleston, South Carolina. South Korea's Jeonjun Lee Six calls herself Lee Six because when she played on the Korean tour, there were five other players with the exact same name, so she's Lee Six. Great approach at the 12th here to about four feet. And then she will step up and make that birdie putt. So Lee Six gets to seven under par and the outright lead. And then at 15, her third shot on the par five. And Lee Six with some nice touch to three feet led to another birdie. Made a couple of bogeys coming home, but John Jun Lee Six hangs on for a one-shot win, her first major which is the U.S. Open. Lexi Thompson was two back tied for second. Brooke Henderson had a tough day, four over 75. Finished tied for 39th at plus five. Blue Jays and Rockies, Toronto has lost 10 of 11. And it didn't go well again in the Rocky Mountains. Second inning, David Dahl sends one to right center off Aaron Sanchez. He will go in for a double. Antonio Senzatella will score two on Rockies. And then in the sixth, Chris Iannetta with the solo shot. No doubt about that one. Rocky sweep the Blue Jays 5-1 the final today in Denver as the Jays drop to 21-38. and Empire Stadium, come in. Good evening. How are you? Terry Fox dipped his foot into the waters of the Atlantic Ocean. Awarded to the city of Vancouver. Okay, this is a story that shows the lengths some first responders will go to to save lives. The fire department in Sacramento, California, was called out to report of a blind dog stuck in a drainage pipe. So a firefighter was carefully lowered through the manhole. Once the dog was calm, yeah, she was put in a harness and brought out safely. Kona, the 10-year-old husky, had been missing for two days. She's now home and safe and sound. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that about Kona. So sweet. Hey, and just a final reminder, the phones are still open for this weekend's Miracle Weekend. Call 310-2224 or you can go online at miracleweekend.com. Just because we have a record number mm. of, uh, of uh, donations this year doesn't mean you can't be part of that record. We would love you to be. So please do. Yeah. Go online. You're all there or this call. weekend. Yeah, it was fun. It was uh, it was just amazing to see the generosity in viewers and the, the volunteers, energy. Yeah. the energy Very and inspiration. And yeah, and to echo Chris and Sophie, a big shout out to everybody who was behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that. Jordan's here with all the latest news coming up at eleven o'clock. Hope you'll join him then. Have a great night. <laughs>